You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined here by Tracy Pearson on Thursday. It's, look, such a load off after such a busy signing day yesterday, Tracy. I mean, this is always, you know, a big day of reprieve. God, signing day is lame now. Um, this is how this is how lame it is. So usually old signing day, it literally was one of those days where from minute to minute you had you had no spare time. Um, I had the opportunity to go in and get another bit of skin cancer cut off my body <laughs> and I took the opportunity knowing that it wouldn't be a very busy day that's number 11 by the way Dave you're a fair skinned lad mm-hmm. put on sunscreen I've always been pretty good about sunscreen damn this is a bitch man this is yeah. bad well my my mother was the same way she had she started getting like skin cancer removed in her 30s Boy. Um, and uh, so she was a she was a, a hardcore sunblocker uh, from the time I was very young. Yeah, um, yeah which, see, we didn't know. We were young. We used to go to the beach. Not I went to the beach every day in summer, and I never put on, what was that stuff? Sun tan? I don't know what that what was. What is that? Zinc oxide? Get out of here. And all, and all the women used to put on baby oil? Yeah. yeah. God, yeah, their, their skin must be. That's, that's how you fry. Yeah, exactly. That's what they did to fry. Yeah, yeah not uh, everyone. Sunblock. That's, that's my only, as a as an older person, that's my only wisdom to you. Put yeah. on sunscreen. Yes. Um, but Tracy was getting skin cancer removed. Uh, UCLA was, I mean, and it, it's not even a UCLA-specific thing. Uh, signing day is just, the, the, the February signing day is just dead. It's I not UCLA, it, though. It isn't. They, because no. of the December signing day, it's taken all of the yeah, thrust. It's the entire the entire thing, and it, it will be reborn, I believe. I you think, think so? they are going to do away with the early signing period here pretty soon. Um, why do you think that? Whether wh- why do I think that? Yes, everyone hates it. Just because Everybody everyone hates does. it? No, I heard some scuttlebutt that they were going to review it here pretty soon. Huh. Um, so my my. Th- my guess is that they would just remove it. Um, but I think the best and most equitable thing would be to move it and make it in July or something. Um, and then you have two signing periods, both of which are like for a distinct separate class of people. So July would be for like quarterbacks and, you know, the people who just are, uh, I've been a fan of this school. Since July was, before their senior year. Yeah. I've been a fan of this school since I was five. I don't want to do anything else. I'm, I'm good to go and quarterbacks who want to be, you know, locked in. Uh, 
but right now all it is is December cannibalizes February and December makes it so that coaches are just on a hamster wheel from the start of the season through the end of December and they can't get everything done because they're doing bull prep at the same time they need to be closing on recruits if they've got an early bowl game that takes away one of their official visit weekends like what happened with the Vegas Bowl in Oregon State this year it's insane the NCA like it, it, the NCA is it, it never does anything with any kind of foresight or knowledge or it, it just throws something out there see what happens and then ah no this one didn't work let's take this one back That's, well and the funny thing is when it was instituted we all said uh, it's fine to have an early signing day it just, just not December it, it doesn't need to be in a month and a half early it means it needs to be six months early yeah um so it's it's all stupid I think it's going to get figured out uh sometime fairly soon because it seems like it's universally loathed um by basically everyone involved I guess so, when has that ever made the NCA do something they generally Universal. do but I mean what have we been sitting on it's been like five years now of this right no Six I didn't years? think that long it's it? been a while it's been a while oh we went um, into like frozen mode during covid so maybe so yeah who knows anyway uh signing day was yesterday um but you nothing... know what I, I, ucla recruiting it's been it was really exciting in january because of the transfer portal really totally. fun very yep. fun i think the most fun we've had in recruiting just not in january probably in just any recruiting cycle for ucla in a long time i think yeah i mean start with the ramp up right before early signing day with dante moore because that's not transfer recruiting but yeah. that was one of the most hyped that was most one of the more insane periods of ucla recruiting generally in probably 10 years uh and then you've had this transfer portal um just the constant um uh roller coaster ride essentially of transfer portal portal recruiting where you know UCLA has landed some key targets um but it's there's so much nuance to it and these guys are um, a little bit more low-key about it so the information has to come from like so many different <laughs> sources a lot of times um it makes it uh, kind of exciting in a wild westy way that I don't High school recruiting actually isn't that because if you've been paying attention on our message board, uh, if it's a West Coast guy, uh, 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 Brandon or Greg or Blair, they have a story with quotes every time immediately after the guy commits. And there's a reason for that because it's not a secret most of the time. Uh, transfer recruiting kind of is still. And it's it's fun for that reason. So many reasons. A recruitment is could average maybe, what, two and a half weeks? Mm-hmm which is really fun. Boom, in the transfer portal. Boom, bunch of schools get a hold of him. Boom, he's taking visits. Boom, he commits. And how many of the transfers did we have any awareness that they would be UCLA transfer targets before they were, right? No, uh, maybe. We, we, we had a, an inkling about a couple, but that was it. See, in high school, high school recruiting is still fun because we get to watch them and that's fun. But it's getting, wow. I mean, it's getting earlier and earlier. So you start to follow them sophomore year. And by the time they're a senior and they're about to commit, dang, that's been a long trudge through their lives for us. Um, and this this brings something, another element to following recruiting, which makes it, I think it's, I'd hate to say it. I think it's probably more fun. Would you say, Dave? I mean, it's up there. It's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, there was that. 
Um, and I mean, overall, UCLA did ranked sixth in transfer recruiting overall. You'd have to say it did fairly well. And I mean, I did a, um, a trend meter, which takes in just not transfer recruiting, but high school recruiting, uh, reviewing the overall class uh, position by position. Had the most thumbs up for the trend meter since I've been doing that under Chip Kelly. Um, yeah. Some some positions of that weren't fulfilled, <laughs> that are still very thin and questionable, but some that are the cup runneth over. Um, yeah. Quarterback recruiting, easily the number one quarterback class in the country. If you combine, man, crap, you wouldn't even have to combine uh, transfer and high school, yeah. but combining the, it easily. Here's the crazy thing about quarterback recruiting, and this is how I want everyone to contextualize it in their heads because who knows, it might actually happen. If UCLA lost everyone on their current roster and just brought in the guys they're bringing in, it would have a fine quarterback depth chart. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Like, that's 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 what they did in this, in this cycle. Um, they have a clear uh, competition, at least, between Schley and Dante Moore. They have an elite talent in Dante Moore. They have a reliable, you know, veteran who has started games in Colin Schley. And then they have a developmental quarterback in Luke Duncan who may turn out to be, I mean, if you followed his senior year, he was pretty good, uh, may turn out to be a quality starter down the road too. Uh, yeah. That's a good depth chart. I, I, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb because, uh, come on, spring practice is going to be fun. All these guys are lining up because Colin Schley and Dante Moore enrolled in time for spring. So it's it's going to be a shootout. Uh, Justin Moore, uh, Justin Martin, to his credit, the true freshman this year, be a redshirt freshman next year, did not enter his name in the transfer portal, as many people might have speculated he would when uh, a talented transfer, I think he was ranked the number four transfer quarterback yep. in the country, or even higher, I don't know. And then uh, Dante Moore, uh, one of the most talented quarterbacks that, that we've been able to see come out of high school in a long time, I think enroll in spring and justin martin says yeah i'm hanging in there i'm going to win this spot yeah but my money i think colin schley's gonna win the spot i would so uh i just like saying so colin I, schley i know you like saying it it's i really always fun. play i always play a couple different angles here because pure talent alone you know, it's who knows. I mean, you got the veteran versus the freshman. There's going to be mistakes made by a freshman that won't be made by a veteran. Yada yada yada. But there's politics involved too. Like there's 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 soft stuff. It's the same reason I said, and not obviously it's a different circumstance, but that Jerry Neuheisel Josh Rosen competition was a farce from the beginning. Josh Rosen was starting no matter what. He was starting. Noel Mazzoni turned to me at like a seven on seven tournament the year before and said the one that they actually had that the coaches could attend and said, yeah, he's our starter next year uh, because it's you get a five star guy. It's, you know, you kind of just do it. Well, there's um, more politics now. Well, not politics, but well, there's 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 other, other stuff that goes factors. into it, guys. Um, so that's kind of where I am, where if it's all relatively even, they're going to give it to the five star. It's if Schlee blows him away um, that I think it and, you know, maybe that happens. I've uh, heard, maybe the uh, freshman okay. is, is so, big eyed and can't do it. A little bit of inside buzz from around the program. You know, they're all enrolled. They're not allowed to practice. But, you know, come on. They're out there throwing a football and people are able to actually, you know, 
not necessarily the coaches, but other people are able to watch them throw a football every once in a while. I guess Colin Schley looks really good. Uh, I've heard Dante Moore obviously throws a beautiful ball, but Colin Schley looks pretty good. And I've heard Garbers looks pretty good. Mm. <laughs> um, when we're talking about not necessarily politics, but factors, so Dante Moore... We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but it's fun to think of. Comes in. What if he doesn't win the spot? I mean, he he is a high school. Uh, he'll be a true freshman out of high school. He will have gotten NIL money from UCLA, and he can completely double bag this. We used to say double bag or just bag, and it was illegal. Now, now we can say double bag, and it's not illegal. He could go back. He could go into the transfer portal and transfer without having to sit out, use his one, uh, his one time sit out waiver by the NCAA. Um, that's why this whole thing's kind of crazy when it comes, we really need to talk in depth about all the nuances of transfer recruiting because yeah, they're, there they're, are a lot of nuances that are, that are really big factors in, in what's been happening here. Yeah, It's, it's very cool. Um, I think the smart thing for UCLA would be to not name a starter after spring and just oh, carry it forward. Hands fall. down, they're not doing that. Yeah, but uh, unless it's obviously more. And if it's obviously more, you do it. Yeah, um, because everyone else is Schley transferred. He wouldn't be able to transfer out. And right. Garber's transferred, and he wouldn't be able to transfer out. So, yeah. Correct. Uh, and Luke Duncan already has signed up for essentially getting beaten out by more. So, I say good. name Justin Martin the starter. <laughs> 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 just like agent. let's say he's running second or something just flat out name him the starter <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome um yeah so it, it's it, we, we should probably do like a deep dive at some point maybe in the next few weeks or something about um just the nuance of different uh circumstances with transfers and nil money and how it all kind of shakes out but the reality is for top tier players um they have all the leverage now, and that's great. It's great to see um, because they can uh, just throw their name into the transfer portal again, get enrolled. Like if, I mean, not to give a nightmare scenario, but Dante Moore could enroll somewhere else and play this year uh, after if he doesn't win the job in spring, I think, right? Um, I mean, there's nothing circumstantial different absolutely. about, It'd be about like doing the transfer portal then than versus after the season. Yeah. So... Yeah, anyway, nightmare scenario. Well, let's um, just talk one more thing just because we're talking about scenarios. Uh, Roderick Pleasant, the high school uh, cornerback, four-star cornerback, one of the, I think, the fastest kid in the country, um, overall fastest uh, football prospect in 2023, committed to Oregon yesterday on signing day, uh, choosing Oregon over UCLA and USC. Long thought to be heavy lean to USC, uh, UCLA was making a pretty strong pitch at the end and Oregon won out. Um, so just, and I threw out a scenario half tongue in cheek on the forum. And of course, everyone took it seriously. I don't think that's likely. Well, I was, it was half for fun, but it was also just think about the factors. And I'm just going to touch on it because it just happened with Roderick Pleasant. So he goes to Oregon. I, I'm really confident that Oregon's given him some good NIL money in that first year. He collects that NIL money. Oregon's pretty deep at cornerback. 
I bet he doesn't really get a sniff at too much significant playing time and says, wow, I can go back in. I can go into the transfer portal for my redshirt freshman year or sophomore year, get another bag of NIL money, uh, maybe transfer home, close to home, play in front of my family. Um, yeah, I want to get into the whole discussion sometime of what's more beneficial for UCLA, letting that guy go off somewhere else, take someone else's NIL money, um, come back, transfer to UCLA, which UCLA is going to get, obviously has already gotten a lot of bounce back transfers because there's a lot of recruits in Southern California. And then he commits to UCLA. Probably the NIL money that UCLA would have to pay him has gone way down. I'm not saying UCLA, the UCLA uh, football collective. And then he's committed and he can't transfer. Um, UCLA has four transfers from Oregon. Is that right? Jalen Jeffers. Jalen uh, Davies. Jalen Davies. Uh, uh, Maliki Mataveo. And Keanu Williams. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe you guys should go look at Oregon's Oregon's roster for Southern California or California kids. Um, but it's a very real scenario. And just contemplate out there, what's what's smarter for UCLA to do? Yeah, get in on a recruit, on a high school recruit. But is it smarter to get them on the bounce back? Is it is it worth that? Ri- uh, it's just it's a lot to think about. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just as, uh, again, tongue-in-cheek, uh, Oregon generally as like a secondary recruiting avenue for UCLA or a tertiary recruiting avenue, not a bad idea. They're going to over-recruit every cycle, it looks like. They, uh, how many are they up to now this year? Uh, I think they recruited 40 guys. Uh, let me see. Hang on. I think it's at 40. Um, they went up to 39. 39. So they, they took 39 guys this cycle. That's a lot to take uh, for a program that's doing really well. Um, like taking those kind of numbers, that's what you see from Colorado and ASU. They're doing it though. Just their their complete mindset is let's take a bunch of guys and just shake it all out and take the best guys, which you know you do if you can do. But there are going to be some talented, capable guys who come in for the first couple of years who would probably be a two-year starter there but are frustrated because they didn't yeah. immediately win a starting spot and then go for the second bagger that's exactly right and so that's a that's a it's a it's a good secondary avenue for um especially california because a lot of their commitments are from ucla california. staff and oregon staff should talk they should talk we'll take you know <laughs> ucla like a pressure release valve for uh for oregon. they're doing they're doing oregon a service yeah, no, it's 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 an equitable flow of talent. Um, so, all right, we, we basically got through quarterback, but um, I think if we were identifying an issue, um, cornerback. Yes, sounds like quarterback, not quarterback, cornerback. Yeah, um, they lost Ethan O'Connor, who was yeah. who was p- potentially you know one of the corners in the class. He's listed as an athlete, but uh, he's he still hasn't signed. Um, and we'll we'll wait and see on that one. But big big zero in the transfer portal here, um, and that's that's got to be an issue uh, going into this season. Um, you'd have to think. Uh, right now, uh, let's just uh, yeah, we'll skim over it. We'll go over it in another 
broadcast, but the one position that's glaringly has not improved would be cornerback. Um, there's going to be, there are a lot of elements to consider. Devin Kirkwood, I still think he has, you know, I think he has a lot of potential to be a good college cornerback. Um, I don't even think he was, he wasn't, he was probably their best this year. He just wasn't great. Right. And maybe Cody Whitfield, someone closer to his age, the new cornerbacks coach can get more out of him. Um, he will be a junior. Uh, you know, Darnay Holmes was always a very talented kid, but his first couple of, I mean, it took him a while. I mean, he was good, but it took him a while to be very good. Um, Fabian Moreau's an NFL player. It took him three years. Yeah. Cornerback's a hard, it's a hard position. Um, I liked what I saw from Jalen Davies. Not necessarily that I would think he'd easily step into a starter level, but I think there's some things there. I, I, I was skeptical. I saw him a lot in high school. Well, not a lot. I saw him at a few seven-on-sevens. And I was skeptical because he was always listed at 6'1", and I'd look at him and go, he's 5'10 and a half. <laughs> um, but I, a little bit more impressed than I thought I'd be, one of those Oregon bounce-back guys. Um, John Humphrey was the real frustrating guy for me. Always has had the measurables, right? Yeah. Um, he's going to be a true senior. You'd think the light has to turn on there. So let's just say they're a little bit improved. Um, there's some variables too. Croy Stewart's a, a, a great athlete. He'll be a redshirt freshman. We'll see what happens to him. Isaiah Newcomb has, has been working out at cornerback, but then got some time at nickel too. Truly one of the best athletes on the team I, I know the program really likes him so those are all variables to look for at cornerback but clearly and there's dj dj justice the converted wide receiver who was out for most of the season with an injury they still need to bring in a transfer cornerback but again the question would be when the portal opens up again in may are those just castoffs who didn't win a spot there's two things. Are they cast-offs that didn't win a spot in spring? Or there, I'm hearing this a lot. There were a lot of guys who contemplated entering the transfer portal. One of, uh, and not just guys who didn't win a spot, but younger guys who, who probably will be future starters at their uh, current program, but just aren't happy for a number of reasons, who contemplated going in but didn't yet, and probably by spring will. And there's some, I think there's some potential starters out there who aren't happy just with their program, their coach, whatever, who could also. So it's just not a bunch of guys who didn't win the starting spot in spring. There's a couple other typical type of guys who could go in. So yeah, they need to pick, they need to pick someone up. They need to pick a cornerback up in in the spring uh portal of may yeah i, I think that's got to be probably the number one priority i think two uh, of them <laughs> yeah the number number one and number two priority. well you know offensive line's always there i'll take another offense but like one uh, two of the top three let's say uh, so i would say what they did in offensive line is um 
the minimum necessary. I think if you're replace so right now with with landing um, Kunta at uh, offensive tackle and then they also have Holstage replacing Antonio Mafi. They've done the bare minimum. Now it, it looks like UCLA is going to have to promote one guy internally, which is a pretty good situation to be in offensive line wise. It's probably a very good. You want to send that. You don't want to. You don't want to look like you're reloading with transfers every year. Exactly. So, if they can get one guy in as a new starter, have those two guys be essentially plug and play. You know, Kunta. I don't know that he's going to be Raekwon O'Neal, but he's going to be fine. Uh, and Holstage, as we've talked about extensively, we think is going to be pretty good. Um, you do that, it, I, I'm relatively confident the offensive line will be pretty good again. Um, you know, we've 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 now seen enough of uh, Chip Kelly and what he can do um, uh, with both running backs and offensive line. It's going to be hard for them to be bad. Um, he's he's generally kind to his offensive linemen. So and, and give Drevno coach. Tim Drevno, offensive line coach, you know, everyone talks about that he's not a great recruiter. We can accept that, but he did a really good job with the offensive line. Sure. They yeah, were well coached. I, yeah, I think that's right. Um, so feel good about that. Um, everything else, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a it's a fine enough recruiting class. I think the big, the big um the big empty spot is corner, as we talked about, but everything else, you know, receiver. They've got, I mean, it's not just the transfer portal acquisitions. I mean, Jeremiah McClure and Grant Gray, those are both four-star guys. Um, there's decent reloading there. And, um, and then running back. I know that the program feels that TJ Harden is, the, is a star. They'll do anything to hold on to that guy. To make, and I, I don't know why they'd have to do that much because he's, he's going to be favored Sun status in spring. Um, and then you bring in Carson Steele. So, I mean, I'm envisioning Britton Brown, Zach Charbonnet kind of thing. A one-two punch. Yeah. Um, which, even though Zach Charbonnet was great this last year, I, I liked I liked it better with the balance of Britton Brown. I loved Britton Brown. Yeah, I, me too. I loved watching him run. So, the balance of those, the, the combination of those two guys was fantastic. And I think that's what we might see. Um I think T.J. Harden's going to be hard to supplant. Uh, like with uh, quarterback recruiting, coming out of spring, we will not know a starter at tailback. But yeah, I think they're going I'm to be ecstatic sure at what they see. Yeah, I'm not sure they will ever do like a uh, – we have a starter at running back this year. I think it'll just be, you know, oh, yeah, we, we go with the hot hand or whatever that BS they always say is. Um, well, how many, but, days did, how many games did it take – Zach Charbonnet in 2021 to be established as a starter. It was four. He was. It was in his fourth game, I believe. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I would say the one other kind of miss for me is uh, linebacker generally. I mean, I think they did fine in the high school ranks actually, from like a developmental standpoint. But I and maybe this is just a differing evaluation from what the staff thought they had. But looking at how they played this year. I think they needed a little bit more plug and play than just Oladejo. Um, I, I think, and and this might be like a differing evaluation of how they feel Darius Muasau played, but I thought he was um, a negative for the defense last year, um, and they needed to go and get somebody who could potentially come in and immediately start at you know Mike, um, and they didn't do that. So they're riding with Muasau, I'm assuming. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Ali Kao comes back. 
and we'll see how he does after a year sitting out. Um, there's just a, there's a lot of variables still at linebacker, um, and that's that would have been one where if you know, and maybe they still will, but I would prioritize getting at least one guy who because I don't uh, Oladejo to me is not a you know he comes in and immediately starts guy. Um, if we're talking about the how they did it in the high school class too, obviously Dante Moore at quarterback was their big um, you know gem, but. The, I, I'd be pressed to say it. The number two guy, most valuable guy that they got was Solomon, Solomon Malafu. Yeah, we thought, uh, you know, Hawaiian kids are hard because you don't. Blair gets out to Hawaii a lot to see him, sees him in uh, summer before, but there's a lot of development there that you just can't see, you know, and projected him to be an edge guy because he had such a good burst and just a, a, a good explosion off an edge. And then they go to see him at the Polynesian Bowl. At, this is uh, Blair Angulo and our boy Brandon Huffman. And they both come away saying, oh, he's an, in, he's an inside linebacker and he's going to be really good. Now, he might not get time as a true freshman, but I, I can't remember the last time that they got an inside linebacker prospect from high school that got those kind of reviews coming in. Yeah. That's a, that can is you know a real inside linebacker that could be a very good player in college. So you all should be kind of excited about him. I trust Blair, and maybe to my own detriment, <laughs> I trust Blair yeah, and we Brandon. All trust Blair. Yeah, and Blair we trust. So. Uh... Yeah, I mean, anything else you want to touch on with football recruiting? No, we, we got off on to... tangent. We we're going to talk basketball. Yeah, we were going to talk basketball, but we flipped it. We flipped it on them. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Sorry. basketball recruiting, Tracy. Oh, we're gonna, Basket- are we going to talk basketball recruiting or basketball team? You wanted to talk basketball recruiting. Okay, let's now, do basketball it, recruiting first. Let's do it. Okay, Tracy. so we are in an interesting situation right now. Um, I've, I've pretty much detailed that it's completely up in the air that four guys on this team could return or might not. Anywhere from Tiger Campbell, Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark, Adembona. You could see a reasonable scenario where they all leave. You could see a reasonable scenario, seriously, where they all stay or two stay or three stay. Um, that gives UCLA, they might be looking for anywhere from one to five guys in spring. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think I ever remember that, ever, ever in, in doing this job where they have three guys committed in a recruiting class, but in spring, you know, maybe one, two at the most. In spring, there could be upwards of one to five guys that to fill out 13 scholarships. That's crazy. Nuts. And if the staff had any hair, they would be pulling it out on this one because that's hard to manage. We saw what happened last we're going to see what Evo's head looks like. We're going to see what it looks like under that. Give him, like, if, if he's at UCLA within two years, he's he's going to be looking like Savino <laughs> on the top of that head, I think. Um, but, yeah, but on one hand, it's it's kind of scary. On the other hand, it's kind of exciting, too. Um, there are still some guys they could add in the 2023 class. Ilane, uh, you do that pronunciation because you're half French, right? I'm not, and I'm not going to. Ilane Fibril. 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 <laughs> so he officially visited UCLA, then he officially visited Gonzaga. Uh, kind of heard, you know, Gonzaga did pretty well with him. And then, of course, he's entertaining the G League. But recently I've heard the G League might not be. It's it's falling out in favor. Now it could still win out. I think most of the time G leagues have won out in certain in most recruitments. But you know if you're Elan Febul, Febul, um, they're they're or anyone who's thinking of contemplating the G League, it might be smart just to play college basketball for a year and and take some money. Uh, some NIL money rather than and playing in a high profile place like UCLA, you're going to go to the tournament. There's going to be things, all these eyes on you help to improve your NBA stock rather than playing in some obscure city in the G league in front of 15 people with like 35 year old guys. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, so, that's reasonable, of of course. Uh, it's it's exciting to see. What if just a Dembona and Amari Bailey return? Yeah. Wow. Uh, um, there is a kid named Marcus Adams, uh, who is from uh, Narbonne. He could be twenty twenty three. He might be twenty twenty four. Right now, we're listing him at 24-7 as 20-24 because we think that's likely what he could be. But he very well could end up getting, like, let's say, admitted to UCLA by the end of uh, 
this high school semester and be able to go now? I think that's what he'd want to do, from what I've heard. Uh, he came out with a top five. He just visited Syracuse. Um, UCLA's on that top five. I can, I can safely say that there is probably going to be NIL money uh, will be a factor. Uh, yeah, like, like um, it's, it's Tahad Pettiford who just picked Auburn. East Coast kid, I think, he, I think he has a relative who's on the UConn staff and he picked Auburn. There's, there's NIL money's having a big influence. But I wouldn't discount UCLA on the NIL front. We, we've seen that they're, they can uh, be competitive. Yeah. So that's an interesting situation. Uh, you'd have to think Ron Holland might be rethinking and might be able to get out of his NIL at Texas because they fired our guy Beard. Even though Texas is doing pretty well, he might want to stay. Um, and then Andre Stoyakovich, your favorite coach, Jared Haas. Oh my God. It's amazing he still has a job. <laughs> what year is he in? Is he in year eight? It's got to be. It's like year eight. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> and, and I don't think Stanford. All right, hang on. Stanford no, does but, not fire anyone ever. Just, they just have a to. mild, mild soliloquy for a second. Okay, go. Right, he's in year seven, and he hasn't been to the NCAA tournament at Stanford. God. At so Stanford. Stanford's program, Stanford's program, it's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's been 15 years of Johnny Dawkins and Jared Haas. How many times were they to the NCAA tournament in that time? One time. One time as a 10 seed. God, I knew that. What happened? Wow. Why? Remember that guy? What, what did you do? Mike Montgomery? Oh, my God. Remember Even Trent Johnson. Had, those battles? Wow. Even Trent Johnson was better than this. What are you doing, guys? It is Jared Haas, it, so bad. So just wow, wow. And anyway. the thing is, Stanford's in a weird place right now because of NIL, the possibility that you know student athletes might be employees. They're like fighting internally within themselves uh, about what their role is going to be in college athletics. Yeah, I mean, we saw who they hired. They didn't exactly go out and break the bank for their – and they have money, and they didn't do that for their football coaching hire. What would yeah. they do for their basketball hire? I, I mean, I think they would they would uh, hire poorly. Um, but they've been hiring – the thing with basketball is – I mean, Stanford, if you remember with those Monty teams, like they actually had fans who cared about basketball. Uh, they've never had – even during the peak of the David Shaw era or the Jim Harbaugh era – Nobody cared about Stanford football. Oh, yeah. Stanford basketball actually had fans. Uh, there is a history of like a little bit of tradition here. They shouldn't be hiring guys like Jared Haas. I'm telling you, just, you know, UCLA fans have the BBS. They think things are stacked against them. Given where Stanford was not too far, not too long ago, Mike Montgomery and... Uh, David Shaw, I mean, really two great programs and where those programs are now. Stanford fans, I don't want to cause any like uh, things that happen because of what I'm saying, but you you don't have very much to live for right now. <laughs> 
Well, the crazy thing is they can they they it's Unless still they obviously the Big Ten. It's still obviously a program that can acquire talent. I mean, Andre Stoyakovich. He he signed up for this program, the one we just discussed. Uh, Stanford still has the brand of Stanford that is um, extremely appealing to parents um, of a of a of a certain type. Um, this is. It's a program that has potential. Uh, you just you, you can't hire guys like Jared Haas, who was hired because he I don't know had like a decent season at UAB one time. I have no idea. And just a just a touch on Stanford re- recruiting, um, uh, because we're post signing day. Usually, what Stanford does in football is sign get some elite guys, right? Um, uh, maybe they don't usually get a lot, like they get 18. But if you look at their their per commitment rating, they're always top three or four. Yeah, not. <laughs> no, it's a bad. class. Wow, this is a bad class. And I yeah, know he they, couldn't pull it out. It was hard, at, but they lost a bunch of dudes at the end they, too. When he should have been pulling it out, should have been. And that's what Stanford does. In the end, they pull it out because the parents go, "I want you to go to Stanford." Yeah, that didn't really happen. Yeah, I wonder if he was not very appealing on the recruiting trail. Wow. Wow. I don't know. I have some friends <laughs> who are Stanford fans, and I have to admit, I, I know, all the bros aren't going to like this, but I feel a little bit for him. I mean, the BBS kind of is transferable a little. Meh. Um, <laughs> the, the, the grind CBS. their bones, grind their bones into dust. Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, grind their bones to make my bread. <laughs> Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of a Stanford man. Ah, keep um, going. This is good. <laughs> anyway, there's, I mean, this Be is, he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you just read that to your kids? No, you can't read those anymore to your kids, can you? Actually, I did. I, I my, my, my youngest, I was doing it to her for a while, and she really, really enjoyed it and then began to get scared. Ring around the rosy. I mean, what's that yeah. about? Everyone dying of the plague. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're good. They're good. Yeah. They're good stuff. They're good. Okay. So this is what would have to happen. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. This is McCrone. Uh Coach, this is Andre. Um, I am so sorry. I had a brain fart. I made a big mistake. I don't know what. Maybe because it was close to home. But I made. I, I want to go into your program. I want to be challenged. I want you to turn me into a great college player and a great NBA player. And I apologize. I'm a young punk who didn't know the decision I made. And I'm so sorry. And I think Mick Cronin might still hang up. <laughs> I kind of would. Because, like we said, this is this is self-selection here. And... And that was his first choice. Yeah. I don't know. That would be interesting because that, of all the ones, and, and there's Brady Dunlap out there too, who I, I wrote all about this week, that, you know, that might be a decision that will be made, whether you silly offer him, you know, probably not immediately. Um, there's a lot that has to shake out, and a lot of it might be determined how many scholarships UCLA has to give. If it has a lot, maybe you give one to Brady Dunlap. If it has one, maybe you don't. Um, but that and you probably if Andre Stoyakovich comes to you 
which you would, you, you've got to think he'll be let out of his NIL. Now, you'd have to think if he wants to do that, his first call is going to maybe be to UCLA. So then taking this to that point, you might be making a decision between Andre Stojakovic and Brady Dunlap. Right. Uh, and Andre Stojakovic is a better prospect. Um, but it's a lot to be said for Brady Dunlap. Uh, I mean, let's just say it. He's, he and his dad are out there waiting for a UCLA offer. And they would probably snatch it up as soon as it was proffered. So there's a lot to be said for that. You want to go play for Mick as opposed to you who chose Jared Haas. Okay. Yeah, and I think with, with the Dunlap situation, by virtue of all of that, might be able to wait a while too. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're not going to do anything. Yeah. Until after the season and yeah. they get a sense of who's on this team because last year, um, you know, they had, they had a number of guys who kept their name. And you'd have to think that Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark, and Adembon are going to put their name in the draft and test the waters. And then it's a matter of when they pull out. Um, Jules Bernard, I can say, here's some inside scoop, was pretty much indicating that he was returning up until end of May. I think he, I think he announced he'd stayed in like June 1st or something. Yeah. So I, I, I think Mick's gonna, Mick Cronin's gonna find another way <laughs> around that. He, he's not waiting till June. I think. Um, no, he can't. He can't. You can't. It's like right now, looking at this team, he should have taken a transfer, but it's not his fault because he was held hostage a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's got to set his own deadlines for some of these guys uh, just from a roster standpoint. And then if they want to come back, it's going to be dependent on whether he has a spot available. Um, but especially with the way the, the COVID year works, because um, – Jules Bernard wouldn't have left probably if he was a junior, but I think for some of these guys, it's, do I really want to do a fifth year? And some of them, you know, David Singleton, he was fine with it. Tiger Campbell very well might be fine with it. Might be fine with it, but Jules Bernard. That's his sixth year, by the way. I mean, Jules Bernard was not going, uh, he he wasn't, and I don't think anyone convinced him he was going in the NBA draft. Uh, I I think he left because he wanted to make some more money, you know, playing the G League or whatever, but he also left because... Does he really want to stay in college another year? Where is uh, he right now? He's uh, with the Capital City Go-Go in Detroit for uh, the G League. Yeah, like if that had happened this year, I would bet, he, like last year, the NIL for basketball wasn't really up and running to the point it is now, and it's still not, you know, it's still fledgling. Probably would have, if this were this year, probably would have found some money for him to stay. I bet the NIL collective UCLA's collective the men of Westwood probably would have done that would there have been a difference right now if Jules Bernard was on the team yeah 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 another yeah, good they, shooter they, to rely it's on. not even just another good shooter one thing I've one yeah. thing I've been toying with um is it's a guy who can take a lot more shots than um some of the guys on this team so the one guy I feel confident can pretty much get his shot off uh, like contested three, he can take the shot, you know, is Jaime. Everyone else, like Tiger Campbell needs to be pretty open uh, from deep to take his shot because he's short. David Singleton shoots a set shot. He needs to be pretty open to shoot from anywhere. Uh, Jules Bernard could get that thing off um, from, 
you know, pretty much anywhere. He can drive. Uh, he, he can make a variety of shots. There just aren't that many guys who can take all of the shots, which is an insane thing to say because I'm very opposed to volume scoring. But sometimes you need that ability to just be able to take a shot, like get one off that actually has a chance of going in, um, even when you're a little bit defended well. Um, and I don't know that they have a bunch of guys who are shot takers when defended well um, and have they don't even have the mindset for it. Like Tiger Campbell telling him he's Steph Curry, he doesn't have the mindset to be that. It, it, it's it, talent. Who cares? But, it's yeah, he doesn't have the mind to do it. David Singleton is not that guy and never has been. Jaime is the only one, and even he is not really that guy. Well, Johnny, this, this is why I think there's. We've all been analyzing what's wrong with the offense, and I, I I think there's one simple element, and it's not the be all end all to the fix, but the two best three point shooters on the team are David Singleton and Tiger Campbell. They just and right like you said, they can't create space in a half court just just get them out and get them an open look and transition that's yeah that's the Mockover. simple simple first thing to do you know what was really interesting so Mockover wrote his offense story which everyone if you haven't read it it's really good it's really um, good and a really good we recommendation take him for granted sorry yeah he's great he's great at what he does a uh, really good recommendation in there about taking more transition threes for exactly what Tracy's talking about Interesting thing. I knew I got it from somewhere. Go watch the practice video uh, from yesterday because the number one thing they're working on in that is transition threes. They're working on fast break threes because, uh, and uh, credit to Mockover, but he's doing the same stuff the staff is doing. Okay, so where where can we get the most bang for our buck offensively? Um, Transition threes is an opportunity, so let's use it. Um, and that's a way for Tiger Campbell, David Singleton to get their shot off in an open or semi-open environment, semi-open floor environment. So get them comfortable doing that. Um, cause it, it, it's exactly right. Teams are defending them better. And the, the, the word on them is, well, push them out farther, put some ball pressure on them. They're not even going to be willing to take the shot, let alone, are they going to make it? Um, and that's why I say Jaime Alquez, and this is what I've been saying for a month now, he needs to be taking more threes, and I know he's right now shooting 29%. In January, he's closer to 40. Um, he has the ability to get that shot off, um, even in the half court. Um, so there's there's some there's – some, if, we're, if we're operating under the, you know – umbrella that the offense is in trouble uh then those are some easy ways for them to um generate a little bit more easy easy pointage and i think another key to that is playing dylan andrews alongside in the game at the same time with tiger campbell yeah is to leak out tiger and and david singleton and then when you bring the ball I, i mean you look for the point guard first to bring the ball and he will immediately that will allow Tiger Campbell to release. Very much so. And what they were working on yesterday was a lot of uh, Tiger will take the initial outlet but kick it ahead, and then he sets up for the trail three um, from whoever he kicks it ahead to. So they'll kick it ahead uh, to Are we giving this away? I mean, it's on video. It's basic basketball. Yeah. Um, But working on essentially not just like pure fast break but a little bit of secondary break – 
but opportunities where if a defense is a little bit disorganized in transition, taking advantage of that, not by trying to work it into the post necessarily, but taking advantage of it with a three in transition, which I, I can guarantee you when they miss two of them, everyone on our board is going to be like, why are they taking such quick shots? There's a reason they're doing it. It's a highly efficient shot for UCLA, and they should be doing more of it. Yes. Okay. So what about uh, the game tonight, Dave? So UCLA takes on Washington tonight. Uh, if you are familiar uh, with what UCLA did to Washington in Washington, uh, that was a massive blowout. Uh, they beat them 74-49. Uh, that game was, uh, I guess, Adembona's first kind of, oh, did this guy come alive game? Um, and then he had a very good January for the most part. Um, I would anticipate him having another very good game. Uh, I think this one will be a good get-right game for UCLA. Um, Washington, if you watched them against Arizona, and this is a this was a this was an interesting game because they were holding it with them for a little while, and then uh, Arizona started splashing some threes, and you know what Mike Hopkins did? He sat on his thumb. He did absolutely nothing. This is one of the most poorly coached teams in the Pac-12. He is a horrific coach. They ran their stupid zone that wasn't working that entire game. You know what they're going to do against UCLA? Run their stupid zone that won't work the entire game. And that was defensively. What did they do stupid, really stupidly on offense? They tried to run with Arizona and take quick shots. Okay, against UCLA, what did they do that was really stupid? I don't even remember. Oh, my God. The Braxton Mayer? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just keep yeah, throwing yeah. lobs. Just keep picking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. Braxton Mia, they, 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 he, I think he had like 10 dunks in that game, and he should have had 25. And then other guys are cr- trying to create bad shots. It's all, <laughs> why wouldn't you just keep going back to him all game? Oh, it was so cool. Um, so it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be, again, kind of a, 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 a blowout. Um, Amari Bailey didn't play in that first game, as he didn't play in, pretty much all of January. Uh, they're really bad offensively. Um, UCLA didn't, uh, I think they only forced 13 turnovers the first time they played. Of course, that was in a pretty low possession game. I would expect they're going to turn up the ball pressure significantly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very similar score, like yeah. 75-50, something like that. Uh, Washington is not good. I'm looking, I'm specifically looking for some open transition looks. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think they're going to want to. I think it's going to be a um, – Mick says this sometimes, but once he's convinced they're winning a game, he almost treats it like a practice. I think this is going to be a practice game in a lot of ways where it's like, okay, we're going to work on some specific things that aren't necessarily about Washington but about us because their zone defense is not great. It's fine. It's the better part of their team, but it's not good. Um, but uh, as you said – how are we going to get around a team getting set up in their half court defense? How are, what are we going to do to get this sped up? So I think they're going to try and they should to do a little bit of what Arizona did to them. Uh, Get out in transition off of turnovers and uh, blow this team away. Um, And I think they're capable of doing it. You want to talk about Washington state or are we Ben Hallett? I shouldn't say this. Are we, I was going to say, are we Ben Hallett and we really know about, the team on Thursday and we're just no, not very good about the team on Saturday. 
Wazoo's going to be, I mean, they're, they're a tough team. So if you look at what they've done this year, they really don't get blown away by anybody. Um, their biggest loss this year is uh, by 14 to Oregon on the road, uh, and then also Utah on the road. But for the most part, they're losing single-digit games. Um, they've been a really unlucky team this year from a losing close game standpoint. Um, if you remember, when they played UCLA, it was a 67-66 loss, uh, and it very well could have gone the other way. Um, uh, Gay's really good, um, and he has moments where he looks like an absolute NBA player, and then he has moments where he's just kind of, you know, I wouldn't say going through the motions, but not necessarily that elite guy. Uh, against ASU, though, he w- he had 15 rebounds, seven offensive. Um, tough matchup. Um, and it's a guy who can match or even exceed in some ways a Dembona's athleticism. Um, so there's a really tough matchup. Now, in that game, if you remember, DJ Rodman went off. Um, and as it happens, sometimes just against UCLA, uh, guys just sometimes go off. Uh, but he's kind of maintained that. So it was a little bit of a one-off at the time where it felt like, oh, this is kind of crazy. But then month of January, he's been one of the best shooters in the league from three. So I would anticipate him being a focus of the matchup defensively more than he was uh, when they first played. Um, and we'll see. Uh, but I think... Uh, they might be a little bit more – UCLA might be a little bit more um, exacting in their scout this time around than they were the first time. So, I would again, I would think UCLA would win a little bit more comfortably than they did at Wazoo. But um, I, I don't think they're blowing out that team. So, Dave, big picture is that's yep. what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what are there, 10, 10 Pac-12 games left? 10 Pac-12 games. Well, um, what happens? Uh, they go 8-2. and two. Eight and two. Yeah. So they so lose to Utah on the road? You lose to Utah on the road and then one of Oregon or Colorado. Oregon or Colorado. Okay. On the road. Um, but yeah, I think they go eight and two. And win the Pac twelve with finishing off. Yeah, they would they would they would be a no doubter win the Pac twelve because that would be beating Arizona at home. Arizona already has uh three conference losses. Um and they still have to uh play both usc and ucla on the road so if ucla beats arizona they would um more than likely be the pac-12 winner so um regular season then 25 and 6 correct and then they uh so they're probably ranked about where they are then right yeah i think they'll uh, because of the vagaries of selection and all that kind of stuff i don't think they'll be a one seed though uh most of the metric systems would probably have them pretty close to that um but i think they'd probably probably pretty comfortably be a two seed and probably the two seed in the west if if they finish eight if they win let's just say they win the pac-12 championship win the pac-12 tournament then they'll have a chance at the one seed but i still think it might be because they're going to overvalue purdue because purdue only has one loss right now so that's probably a one seed unless they collapse whoever wins the sec whether it's tennessee or alabama that's probably another one seed Houston is probably another one seed. Um, and they could give it to two SEC teams. Kansas might also be in the mix, even though they're ninth in Ken Palm. So there's a lot of... Um, UCLA is not going to have the elite counting stats, and there's a general impression, probably justified, that the Pac-12 isn't very good this year. Um, so 
if they close out with a really elite run, like go nine and one and then win the Pac-12 tournament where their only loss is like at Utah by a couple points, then I think a one seed is totally in the cards. Um, but I think eight and two, I don't think they're going to do it. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make travel plans, Dave. I get it. Am I, I going to Sacramento? Where am I going? So the pod? Yeah. I mean, all right. What are the? I think it's Sacramento. That's the West. Yeah. What What are the other pod? What are the other West Coast pods? Denver. Yeah, it'll be Sacramento. It, 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 even if they're, even if they're the two seed, they would have to. They'll be two in the West. Get, they would have to collapse not to get Sacramento. Uh, the question is whether they would get Vegas if they're in the West um, for the second weekend. For the second weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for the second weekend it would be um, yeah that that's dependent on closing it out strong, definitely beating Arizona, um, and then I think if they if they go eight and two, I think they're in pretty good shape. And then if they win the Pac-12 tournament, I would say it's almost a stone cold lock they'll be in the West. Okay. Okay, everyone, start making your travel plans because Dave said it. I said it. I said it. And I meant it. I mean, like non-cancel possibility travel plans because of dave yeah no i am i am uh i am as everyone out there knows when i make a prediction it is 100 percent obviously going to happen yep i'm never wrong never ever you've never been wrong never in my life never in my i life. call you up every morning and say dave what should i have for breakfast yeah and i'm always right because always then you go and have it yep yep okay all right uh well for tracy pearson that's me i'm david woods Brewing Report Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. Good to see you all. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.